0: The Clean Power Hour is brought to you by CPS America, the maker of North America's number one three-phase string inverter. With over six gigawatts shipped in the U.S., the CPS America product lineup includes three-phase string inverters ranging from 25 to 275 kW. Their flagship inverter, the CPS 250-275, is designed to work with solar plants ranging from two megawatts to two gigawatts. The 250-275 pairs well with CPS America's exceptional data communication, controls, and energy storage solutions. Go to chintpowersystems.com to find out more.
1: So at the end of the year last year, we launched a big software update where we basically gave Conductor Solar a facelift and we changed the look and feel of the platform. Um and what, what that did by you know, focusing on that is that we really provided a better foundation for the future and it's just easier to navigate around, it's got some more polish, improved messaging. Um, but one of the things that, that I'm really excited about is now it's positioned to do um, exactly what you talked about much more simply and directly. Are you speeding the energy transition? Here at the Clean Power Hour, our hosts Tim Montague and John Weaver bring you the best in solar, batteries, and clean technologies every week. Want to go deeper into decarbonization? We do too. We're here to help you understand and command the commercial, residential, and utility solar, wind, and storage industries. So let's get to it. Together, we can speed the energy transition.
0: Today on the Clean Power Hour, Solar Finance for CNI PPAs and Community Solar. My guest today is a repeat guest. He is Mark Palmer, the CEO and founder of a company called Conductor Solar. Welcome back to the show, Mark.
1: Thanks, Tim. Uh, Pumped to be here. Excited to pick back up the conversation. I think we—it's about two years ago, almost exactly the last time we we chatted on this pod.
0: It's true. It's almost two years uh, since we did our first interview. Time sure does fly. A lot has happened. Uh, the one constant is growth of the solar industry. Uh, good times, bad. The industry is, is on a tear. And we really want our listeners, well, first, thank you, listeners, for being here. Check out all of our content at cleanpowerhour.com. Give us a rating and a review. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. I love to hear from my listeners. Love to connect with you. Hope to see you at RE Plus Northeast uh, in mid-February in Boston. And um, go to cleanpowerhour.com forward slash events, and you can find all of our upcoming events, including the webinar that we're doing with you, Mark. And uh, that's going to be on the topic of CNI solar PPAs on February 21st. But, Mark, tell our, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into solar finance? And then why did you start Conductor Solar?
1: Sure. So. The reason I'm here today is I wanted to be in the renewable energy industry. I made a conscious effort to get in here um, and haven't looked back ever since. I've been been in this industry for a little over a dozen years. Um, started my career with uh, Invenergy, doing large scale wind and solar and some natural gas financing, um, and working with a, with a really large, you know, well oiled machine. They were still growing pretty quickly then, and they still have been. Um, I Jumped from Invenergy into the middle market in 2017 with a company called New Resource Solutions. Um, came in there as employee number one, was a, was a co-founder with NRS, um, and spent some time in the middle market with it. An idea that wasn't that dissimilar from Conductor Solar. Um, really, the idea was to use software to accelerate financing for you know solar's middle market, mainly CNI at that point in time. Um, we tried to do too much. uh too much at, at, at one time and it was really hard to do anything really well. Um, and so NRS turned into you know a, a brokerage company for a while. So I got a lot of experience doing uh, brokerage on the financing side for the middle market and got a lot of experience in working with solar developers and EPCs uh, and solar investors across the country to really understand a lot of the things and reasons why this market um, has just struggled to take off like everybody knows it It can. Um, so that led to Conductor Solar, which is a marketplace for solar developers and solar investors to connect in a really targeted way to get quality information and to collaborate with one another to get more projects built and financed. Um, we launched Conductor in uh, really at the start of 2021. Um, had just launched the software uh, a couple months before we spoke, Tim, at the Beginning of 2022, um, and then we were right in the evolution there where we realized uh, when we launched Conductor it was a, a one-to-one brokerage platform, and we needed to pivot it based on some market feedback to a marketplace, and so that led to the Conductor Solar, generally as we know it today. It's it's still stuck in that form, um, and we'll continue to do so since uh, about mid 2022, right before the IRA passed, and then that takes us to where we are today and we can go on a couple different threads, but hopefully that gives you some perspective. I just think this, sure. this market and the financing aspect is so, it's so freaking hard to be honest. Like it's really fun and challenging, but it's um it's hard for a lot of people and, you know, myself included, I've spent a lot of time here, um, but it's a lot of fun to solve problems and try to make it, make it easier and simpler for everyone involved.
0: I mean, on the one hand, it seems to me like, there's more money available for the clean energy transition, oftentimes than there are projects to fund. We have the technology, we have everything it takes to completely green the grid, um, but there are points of friction. Uh, the you know the ones that that stand out most, of course, are are interconnection and permitting, but. Getting a project financed is, is a completely non-trivial matter, which is why Conductor exists. So why don't you give us uh, some more, you know, paint a picture for us. How does a platform like Conductor, just go to conductor.solar to check out Mark's platform. It's free for the, for the EPC or the developer looking for uh, a PPA or financing a community solar project. What is it that this platform does for developers and EPCs?
1: Yeah, let's, let's start with setting the stage and it's free for anybody to sign up. So investors, developers, anybody can sign up. We, um, we, we get to know our customers well, especially on the developer side when there's a a project that's to discuss. Um, and on the investor side, we really screen them before, uh, before we, we show them any projects because we want to make sure that they have an ability to, to execute, um, so, sorry, let, let's take a step back and think about think about the, the life of a developer. And I'm just going to use the word developer because um, I think that encompasses a broader set of the audiences in terms of developers and EPCs. Um, by developer, I mean someone who's talking with the end customer, working to go through the permitting and the site control and making sure this is a project that can be built. Um, sometimes the developer also is the one who constructs it and is the EPC firm. Um, and sometimes they're not. But generally, I think developer encompasses the, the conversations we have with parties about about the projects. And the we have, we have this uh, slide and some of the, the conductor collateral materials that we we talk with people on from a corporate perspective. It's just a developer with their head blowing up because of all the different conversations they have to navigate for a solar project and take financing out of it. Like, just going to the customer, getting that figured out of, you know, getting a deal and then navigating with all the different partners that you have to work with to get a deal and get a project built of buying equipment, navigating permitting and working with engineers and interconnection. Like there's a lot of conversations and and expertise that has to come in into play. And some of it's in-house at the developer. A lot of times it's not. Um, so there's a lot of just moving parts. And then you layer on the financing. and. It's it's just so hard for developers to understand this ecosystem um, and understand what's the right financing product for my customer, or my project. Who do I talk to? How do I know if they're a good fit? How do I how do I get some mutual trust with them? Um, and so, anyways, that's it, kind of we've gained a lot of appreciation for the developer and and what they go through um, and all the different things they have to navigate. And so, we're really focused on the financing angle to make it a lot easier for these developers to. Find the right financing, find the right partners, and execute uh, execute really efficiently on those transactions. And we've to date, we've you know, done almost exclusively these third party owned projects, so PPAs or you know if you're in the community solar project uh, world, that's they're all third party owned, um, and that's just where uh, you know a separate investor will own the solar array and sell the power to someone um, and monetize the power. And so, anyways, that all sets the stage, Tim, to your question of, you know, how do we how do we make this easier? And I'll just say, like at its core, um, working with and understanding who the right partner is to finance a project goes such a long way. And that's something we've been focused on doing really well from both sides perspective. And so understanding the key aspects of a transaction of a solar project that is attractive to an investor and vice versa and understanding those pieces such as geography and project size and, um, credit type and, you know, revenue structure, some of those aspects that there's a sweet spot for that. And it's typically not the same investor. Um, and so making sure parties can find each other connect and then, you know, transact and be who they are, but, you know, stay in their lane, um, really helps to unlock a lot of this. And There's more I can go into, but I've been meandering, so we'll, we'll, we'll so, pause there.
0: You know, uh, let's let's just walk through uh, a CNI project once it gets to a certain stage of maturity. Uh, you know, the customer's buying in. You're getting traction with the local authority having jurisdiction. You're getting you know site control, interconnection, and decisions have to be made about how a project is going to be financed. You could self-finance the project, you could take a loan, you could uh, get a commercial lease, or you can do a PPA. And, and uh, you know, from a commercial lending perspective, most of the regional or super regional banks now will finance solar projects. The challenge for a, an asset owner or host is that you know that's going to eat into their ability to finance other projects that they might want might want to finance for their growth and development. Right. So the solar project is competing for resources, and this is potentially a deal killer. Uh, there are other aspects of the way solar competes for resources that are deal killers. It's it's not just money; it's time and talent, et cetera. Um, but once a once a team agrees okay we're going to look for third party financing this doesn't encumber uh the 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 host almost at all right it's very light on their books so to speak mm-hmm. they're going to uh, they're going to host a solar array on their facility that's going to be owned by a third party and then they're just going to buy the power from that project and the the owner of that project the PPA provider is highly motivated to keep the project up and running, because if it's not producing electricity, they're not making any money. It's not cash flowing. And, and so, you know, they're going to take good care of that project and keep it in tip-top shape running smoothly, unless something is very, very wrong. Um, so at that point, then all of a sudden, the team is in a position where they need to find a financier, someone like yourself will offer a PPA. And so what is it that people need to understand though about finding a successful financier or financing a project successfully?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll give you some examples of, of how um, how we see different developers across the market use use our software and our, our platform. Because um, I think that'll help illustrate you know, some of the things that are important in finding, you know, finding financing for the end customer. So we we typically see solar developers come into Conductor Solar looking for financing at one of two stages. They're either early stage, and I'll, I'll, I'll start with the CNI market. Um, they're early stage, so they have a customer who's interested in solar, they've had a couple conversations, and they the customer has either indicated that they want to go forward with a PPA or they want to evaluate a PPA option. Um, and so that's kind of the early stage. The other stage is when a developer has navigated all those conversations they've they're, they're a little bit more advanced in terms of their sophistication. they have a they, they, ne- they negotiate the PPA with the customer um, and they're just looking for an end investor to pay for construction and own and operate it. So two very different points in the life cycle of when we see these projects come in. Um, but we see a lot of developers come into our platform and they they put in the information about their project and they they use it to help with their proposals and conversations with the customer. We have you know one our unique position is that we see um, different investors and in different bids across the country um to you know for for different projects. And so we have a really good handle on pricing and what the expectations will be for a PPA rate for different project sizes with different customers in different parts of the country. And so we're, what we've done is we we've taken that information and where we sit in the market and we provide that back in a, just a, an, an estimated range for developers. So they can get with a click of a button, a PPA range that will, you know, 90% of the time um, we actually see that being the transactable range. So what it does is it helps the early stage filtering to understand if a customer, you know, is interested in the PPA at a certain price range. Um, and so some people use it with a customer directly. They click a button and update some inputs of saying, you know, if you want a 25-year PPA or 20-year PPA, like here are the different rates that you might see. Um, and then then when the customer's ready to go forward with the PPA, we'll help them get a firm quote from uh, an, an end investor, somebody who's going to own and operate this for the long term. Um, so that's just, a you know, one part of the conversation Um, That we're engaged in a lot and try to get (coughs) independent and and not have to lean on, you know, a process of, you know, being out to the market and talking with different parties. Um, When they are ready for that, it's um, it's really important to find the right person who the right investor who wants to own and operate that project, that solar project. And just because one investor wanted to own and operate that solar project last year doesn't mean that same investor wants to do it this year because maybe they've changed their thesis. They are in a different geography. They want to do a bigger site, not that smaller site anymore or vice versa. Uh, maybe they're more focused on their mission opposed to just financing any project. Maybe they don't want to touch storage. I don't know. There's a, a myriad of reasons why investors will will or won't uh, be interested in the project. And it's just hard for the developer to to navigate that. So hopefully that gives some, some insight into how people you know, start to go through that process with their end customer and using conductor to, as a way to do that.
0: You mentioned storage and in some markets, storage is becoming very important. Certainly in California, here in Illinois, we have a generous storage incentive, $250 per KWH. When you're doing a solar plus storage project, there's no reason theoretically you can't do a PPA or third party ownership but that's more complicated have you gotten into that niche
1: yeah we we've had a number of conversations with it we've we've worked on a couple solar and storage behind the meter ppas um, but they're tricky there's not a tried and true te- template of how who has what obligations and responsibilities um, over the life of the contract because you know just one inherent like kind of push and pull of this is the solar investors um let me take a step back. The software provider really controls how this storage gets monetized. And so usually it's maybe it's time of use arbitrage, or you know, there's some different ways that this the storage can provide value to the project, but it's usually relying on the software operating at the right with the right signals. And if that doesn't work well or as advertised, then there's a ton of value lost to the project. And the investors don't want to hold that bag. And the end customer doesn't necessarily want to hold the bag either. Um, and so it's been a little tricky in terms of what the obligations are of the owner to make sure the right value is realized. Whereas with a solar only PPA, more kilowatt hours are produced. The customer buys more you know, kilowatt hours and they pay for that as, as it's produced. But the storage adds some wrinkles that are a little bit more performance base that are a little hard for people to judge and understand and estimate how it's going to change over time from a, you know, an an O&M perspective.
0: The Clean Power Hour is brought to you by CPS America, the maker of North America's number one three-phase string inverter with over six gigawatts shipped in the U.S. The CPS America product lineup includes three-phase string inverters ranging from 25 to 275 kW. Their flagship inverter, the cps 250-275, is designed to work with solar plants ranging from 2 megawatts to 2 gigawatts. The two hundred and fifty two hundred and seventy five pairs well with CPS America's exceptional data communication, controls, and energy storage solutions. Go to chinpowersystems.com to find out more. Yeah, I would encourage, um, I would encourage people to check out Intelligent Generation on the storage side if you're working in PJM which is ComEd territory here in, in Northern Illinois. Um, They're a software as a service that really understands the value of storage. And I think can, can, you know, work with uh, a conductor, you know, you need a good EPC and as a, a, a sophisticated customer who appreciates that technology is maturing, batteries are nothing new and, the ROI can be substantially greater um, with storage. But I, I also agree that it is complicated. Um, so I look forward to seeing how, how you can evolve that. Um, and, you know, ultimately, Mark, what we need to do is we need to reduce friction, right? We need to increase the rate at which EPCs can, EPCs and developers can get projects done, That is, the energy transition is happening, is going to happen. It's just a question of how quickly. And so platforms like Conductor are vital to that, to removing points of friction. So to that point, um, you know, you've got a project and then you're putting it in one end of the Conductor pipeline. What is on the back end of the platform that people need to understand? Because typically you're... You know, I come from the EPC world. You're just throwing some statistics in, you know, the project size and, uh, you know, some information about what the customer is paying for power because you want to offer the the customer a discount. It has to be financially compelling in some way, but it's a black box on the other side and, and then a number gets spit out. What do people need to understand about what what you're actually doing? Both in a semi automated or not fashion?
1: Yeah, it's, it's understanding some of the pieces that are important for pricing that solar project and then um, making sure that the expectations and kind of what happens after that price is given are comparable so that all parties continue operating under the same pricing assumptions. And so when you think about what's important for investors and, and in our platform, we match projects with up to five investors. And so it's not a bulletin board concept where there's, you know, they're able to just go bid on any project they want. We're very targeted in terms of how we connect parties and, and make sure the right conversations are being had. Um, so the things that are important for those investors are, you know, really looking at the, the revenues and expenses and um, different risks associated with that for a project. And so, you know, a core core one is obviously what's the cost to build it, making sure the cost to build it reflects the the needs that an investor is going to have. I, I always look at these, you know, for for first time uh, developers or EPCs who want to navigate a, a PPA as hopefully they, they see it as a really good learning opportunity. They, it's going to be a challenging because it's, it's different than what they've been used to before, because they haven't really had somebody looking over their shoulder and providing input on a lot of the the details that they undergo for engineering and construction and um you know forecasting production stuff like that but these solar investors often own you know 100 200 300 solar assets that they have lived with and have gone through all these experiences and understand what results in a best producing system for them and so there's a lot of things that they're particular about that Maybe these solar developers and EPCS aren't as used to. So some of those things are getting scrutinized pretty heavily on the the production and understanding. You know how many kilowatt hours are going to be produced, and why is that the right number, and what are some of the assumptions that go under that, like um, shading and soiling and snow losses, as well as you know what what data set are you using for your actual radiance to come in? Um, we've got an integration with DNV, um, really big global engineering firm that provide some validation for us and for for everybody in terms of the production factor and making sure it's in the right right range for that project and that geography and tilt and azimuth. Um, And then there's on the engineering and and construction side. So some of the things that, you know, most investors want that sometimes the developers don't account for is uh, a good way to monitor the system and understand if it's producing as it should. And so, you know, likely needing a weather station and having, uh, also energy you know be the monitoring platform opposed to maybe using solar edge or um, some other platform that's um, less ubiquitous because the investors again they have to they have to deal with a hundred of these or 200 of these so they want some consistency um those are some of the things that that are important and then thinking about um, is it a financeable project and and what's the right what's the right financing for that project um we're primarily focused on, know PPAs and this third party ownership model. But sometimes it's a customer loan. Sometimes, um, sometimes there are reap grant options. Sometimes you can transfer the ITCs. It's a new new feature thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act. So we're really looking to be be the platform that a developer can go to and help navigate, you know, what's the best financing option for this project and how can I get that done simply. Um, and so the little peak in terms of you know some of the the things we're looking to do over time. Um but we know we know there's a lot of challenge in navigating, not just the PPA world, which we're you know continuing to work on improvements on standardization, automation, and, and just providing real time feedback to people. But also, PPAs aren't always the right option. So making sure that we can we can help support them uh, when when they're not.
0: Let's tease apart if we could uh, public entities versus private entities, because I know that you know uh, a large percentage of the consumers of solar ppas are public schools municipal facilities you know wastewater treatment facilities but what is the difference at face value as far as you're concerned what should uh, developers and epcs know about bringing public entities versus private entities
1: yeah so thinking about um a question on the financing side and you know, For a PPA, is is this group organization going to be around for 20, 30 years to pay their bills? And when you think about a public entity, the answer is almost always yes. Um, it's pretty rare that it seems like they won't be. Now, these public entities can sometimes be more difficult to navigate through the contracting and how you actually get the right approvals in place to for them to sign up to go solar and you know, sign whatever whatever financing ar- arrangement that works for them. Um, so there's a trade-off there, but generally they're they're pretty attractive customers for um, for solar investors. When you look at the private entities, um, that's a little more nebulous to uh, to figure out. It's really you look at some of the things. Just again, will this entity does this entity seem like it'll be around for twenty to thirty years? Um, to pay their bills. And so how long have they been around before? How big of a company are they? How do they, how do they operate and stay in business? So, you know, for example, like a um, nonprofit, like a NGO, like a religious institution, you know, a lot of these organizations, churches, synagogues, they've been around for a hundred years. And so they, they figure it out, right. They, they raise the funds if they need to, they have a a way that they've, they've conducted themselves from an organization perspective that encourages and, and really provides confidence that they'll be around for another 30 years. Um, and a lot of businesses are the same. They've been around for 40, 50 years. Um, where you start running into some challenges on some private organizations or when you have um, things like one-off, uh, like one-off pieces, like think about a McDonald's and a McDonald's franchise, right? The franchise isn't necessarily McDonald's corporate. It's its own entity, and it's kind of by itself. Now, McDonald's, I don't think is going anywhere. Um, but that specific location becomes you know exactly the one somebody's focused on. Um, same with like a hotel chain, um, like a, a Holiday Inn is not going to be necessarily owned by Corporate Holiday Inn, it's going to be owned by California Holiday Inn 123 LLC. And so you need to look at who's actually standing behind that um, and what can navigate. But the private organizations can often move more quickly. And if you're you just want to be talking to the decision maker, I think, is the other piece we found is when somebody's navigating, you know, uh, an internal champion, but they're not the decision maker. They're not a C-level executive. A lot of times it can be really hard to get that buy in. And there's just a, like a lot of there's a lot of risk and gaps for communication challenges and things that can fall through to cracks. So that's the other thing we've seen in terms of you know success from the developers we work with on supporting some of their early stage opportunities.
0: And then there's the the question uh, this is a perennial question really of local incentives. There's you know thirty different solar markets in the u s uh, largely driven by what's going on at the state level and and we have good federal incentives, right the ITC being the big one mm-hmm. um and with 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 adders you could you could hit sixty percent with the ITC. I mean, it's, it's very, very generous. Um, but
1: yeah, how how do you navigate those incentives and
0: yeah. How do how do you as, as conductor tackle this myriad, it it seems like, um, it could be a little overwhelming to, to operate in so many places with so many nuanced markets.
1: Yeah. We're, I mean, we're dangerous in most markets and we, Generally, the core of project finance is holds true regardless of what the incentives are. But there's different programs and structures. And it's it's hard for us to be the the expert in all these markets. And we're, we're not. Um, we wouldn't claim to be. But the key is knowing who is and making sure you're working with somebody who is an expert in that market. Um, and that's where, you know, the right matches really come into play. So, you know, the Illinois program, Tim, we're both, we see each other in Illinois quite often. It's um it's a great program, but it's got some it's got some unique aspects to it in terms of uh, the program and what, how how long the SREC contracts are paid out for. Um, something that I think I'm really excited about, and we so at the end of the year last year we launched a big software update where we basically gave Conductor Solar a facelift, and we changed the look and feel of the platform. Um, and what what that did by you know focusing on that is that we really provided a better foundation for the future. And it's just easier to navigate around. It's got some more polish, improved messaging. Um, but one of the things that, that I'm really excited about is now it's positioned to do um, exactly what you talked about much more simply and directly. So thinking about the data capture and it being intelligent on a project, you know, most most investors have a intake form. It's an Excel sheet and you fill in things and you try to make it work. But then when you have these local incentives, it's hard to communicate that well and tease out the right information. So it just results in more communication gaps. But um, what we have with Conductor is, as you put in information, we collect different data based on what you tell us about the project. And so just to give you some examples, um, you know, one one concept would be, you're working on a project in California, right? We should ask, is this NEM 2.0 or NEM 3.0? um are you exempt from the prevailing wage requirements that went into effect on 1124 and we can keep general pulses on that we don't have to know all the details but we just want to we know people are asking that question so we can ask it but we don't need to ask it for an Illinois project but for Illinois you know we can tease out details about the adjustable block program so right now the way we've set it up is we collect things really differently based on a cni behind the meter project versus a community solar project um, and we also can can take information for ITC transfers and all of those just require different data points to communicate the right aspects of the project. Um, and then the one other thing I'll mention that I, I really like our positioning for is as as we get more penetration in these markets and just continue to expand our, our nationwide presence, we become we become a great place to find some of these you know hyper local incentives. So um, an example there is um, I sit on the Advisory board for the Solar Finance Fund. Uh, it's a Central Appalachian organization that provides grants for CNI projects in West Virginia and parts of Ohio, Virginia, North Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee, and things like like that. With that group, a lot of conversations we're having is like, "How do we reach more of these CNI projects across our region?" Um, we have a way that we can kind of serve that up in a just a, a manner that can say, "Hey, did you know that your project is eligible for a twenty percent grant?" um and it's really easy to get. So these are things that I think we can help help the contractors also navigate and kind of learn from each other as you know some people venture into new markets and and others are you know working on working on existing markets.
0: I want to point our listeners to cleanpowerhour.com go to the events tab. We're hosting an event with Mark Palmer and Nick Periguini of Solaris Energy and the title is CNI Solar PPAs, Best Practices and Success Stories. So this is going to be effectively a masterclass on the CNI Solar PPA. So if this conversation has whetted your appetite, check out cleanpowerhour.com events and register today. Mark, uh, we're going to see each other in Boston in a few weeks. Uh, look forward to seeing many of our colleagues, uh, including EPCs and developers and technology companies. What else should our listeners know about conductor? And uh and you know, please stop by the conductor booth at re plus northeast as well.
1: Yeah, yeah I'll leave uh I'll drop a couple of things, Tim, that they should know about conductor. Um, one is we just uh we just joined forces with James Coombs, who formerly from Painted Rock Capital. Um, he's on board, and what James represents is Much more depth on the the developer and EPC journey um, with their conversations with customers and really understanding their world and navigating the tariffs and just some of the challenges they go through very very well and so we're really excited to have James on board to support the CNI market um, specifically so that's one Um, another is that we're last year we made a decision to become a preferred partner with Nabsup and we we're at the the trade show last year at NAPSEP and we're going to be there again in Raleigh. Um, that's been a really fun uh, experience for us meeting and getting to know a lot of the partners in NAPSEP uh, who go through the certification program and understanding um, just their, their world uh, and the more technical side and, and such a neat program and makes sense for the industry. Um, and so we'll be there again in, in Raleigh and would love to see anybody who comes there. Um, and then the last piece I'll mention is um, we're, Spending a lot of time on the ITC transfer market, we see that being a big gap in terms of um, smaller projects being just having, having a market at all. And so we've historically seen, you know, you, you need to have $5 million in tax credits to be able to transact and support, uh, support the costs that go along with it. It's um, the market has been operate, operating like they have institutionally needing these required thresholds and all this belts and suspenders and whistles. And and we get it. Like there's, there's a lot of reasons for that, but as a result, there's not, you can't just sell a million dollar task credit um, and get a decent price for it or any price um, oftentimes. So we're spending a lot of time and effort and resources to we should have a a really neat solution for the market um, probably in early Q2. Um, So anyways, just wanted to say to stay tuned. We're still supporting some ITC transfers on a one-off basis um, in the interim, but we're excited to uh, to take this to the next level soon.
0: Very well. Well, check out all of our content at cleanpowerhour.com. Give us a rating and a review on Apple and Spotify and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please reach out to me on LinkedIn or at cleanpowerhour.com. I love hearing from my listeners and with that, I'll say, let's grow solar and storage. I thank you so much, Mark Palmer. How can our listeners find you?
1: Yeah, you can you can reach out to me directly, mark at conductor.solar. Um, or you can go to our website, as Tim mentioned. It's it's http conductor.solar. Um You can find out more information about the company. You can sign up for the platform and the link on the top right. Um, or shoot me an email and happy to have a conversation.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you all for being here today. I really appreciate your listenership. And again, let's grow solar and storage. I'm Tim Montague. Take care, Mark.
1: Thanks, Tim. See you in Boston.
0: Hey, listeners. This is Tim. I want to give a shout out to all of you. I do this for you twice a week. Thank you for being here. Thank you for giving us your time. I really appreciate you and what you're all about You are part and parcel of the energy transition, whether you're an energy professional today or an aspiring energy professional. So, thank you. I want to let you know that the Clean Power Hour has launched a listener survey, and it would mean so much to me if you would go to cleanpowerhour.com, click on the About Us link right there on the main navigation that takes you to the About page and you'll see a big graphic, Listener Survey. Just click on that graphic, and it takes just a couple of minutes. If you fill out the survey, I will send you a lovely baseball cap with our logo on it. The other thing I want our listeners to know is that this podcast is made possible by corporate sponsors. We have Chin Power Systems, the leading three-phase string inverter manufacturer in North America. So check out CPS America. But we are very actively looking for additional support to make this show work. And you see here our media kit with all the sponsor benefits and statistics about the show. You know, we're dropping two episodes a week. We have now over 320,000 downloads on YouTube. And we're getting about 45,000 downloads per month. So this is a great way to bring your brand to our listeners. And our listeners are decision makers in clean energy. This includes project executives, engineers, finance, project management, and many other professionals who are making decisions about and developing, designing, installing, and making possible clean energy projects. So check out cleanpowerhour.com both our listener survey on the about us and our media kit and become a sponsor today. Thank you so much. Let's grow solar and storage. The clean power hour is brought to you by CPS America, the maker of North America's number one three phase string inverter with over six gigawatts shipped in the U S the CPS America product lineup includes three phase string inverters ranging from 25 to 275 KW. Their flagship inverter, the CPS Two Fifty Two Seventy Five, is designed to work with solar plants ranging from two megawatts to two gigawatts. The Two Fifty Two Seventy Five pairs well with CPS America's exceptional data communication, controls, and energy storage solutions. Go to ChinPowerSystems.com to find out more.